The federal government has announced that consultations are underway for the next agricultural policy framework. I got reaction from Mary Robinson, president with the Canadian Federation of Agriculture. So at CFA, we've been gearing up for this since last July, right? When we had our, our semi-meeting, we we launched our APF committee. And that committee, we've got a combination of producers and staff from across our membership. So they've been meeting regularly since January, working on finalizing a set of recommendations that CFA will be submitting soon. And then we'll be sharing it across our, our membership to inform their advocacy efforts too. So what what we look at at this point in time, Corey, is that um, the recommendations are going to be focused on the high-level vision, the principles and priorities of the policy framework. And the real point of all this would be to inform the ministerial statement that we anticipate uh, this September. And that statement sets the direction for the multilateral and bilateral agreements that will follow. Yeah, and I guess just a thought on the uh, on the Canadian Agricultural Partnership, which is which is what we have now. Um, I guess just maybe some of the good or, or some things that uh, maybe you didn't like. Yeah, so I think it's fair to say that the objectives of CAP remain priorities for our members, uh, but we think it's important that we focus our input on refining and evolving those priorities. You know, just to reflect the realities facing our members today and into the future, because we've seen such different challenges over the past few years that uh, we, we really need to see um, the, the next APF uh, better reflect those so that we um, probably one of our biggest concerns is this kind of continued trend of the policy framework being required to do more with less money. Uh, because we've seen such growth in the industry. Um, we haven't really seen, with the exception of the removal of the reference margin limit, which we're really happy about, uh, we haven't seen any new money brought into the uh, the envelope. So um, we're doing um, more and more with less and less because we haven't even seen them keep up with inflation. Overall thoughts on the consultation process, just um, the importance of people, I guess, getting their, getting their views um, submitted. Yeah, so um, obviously with, with our organization, it's all about making sure we reach out to our member organizations and, and understand what their concerns are. And I think what we've heard and, and we're going to be promoting are, um, you know, kind of investing and prioritizing in four specific areas. Um, one would be, you know, the climate solutions. So we need uh, we need to find a way to incentivize Canadian producers to be able to invest in climate solutions. And we also need to find a way to ensure that uh, our producers are situated to capitalize on the, the new carbon credit markets and other opportunities. Uh, we also need to have um, some investment and prioritization on the geopolitical barriers that we are certainly more aware of in recent years. We need to look at resiliency, you know, uh, so that our are, um, we're better positioned to respond to things like we, we saw the challenges COVID brought forward um, and the supply chain and the labor disruptions. And, uh, and we also, you and I were talking a moment ago about the, the increased frequency of extreme weather events. You know, we need to have resiliency against those things. And we also need to have um, what we're hearing from our members is uh, work on public trust. Uh, strategic work on this with focusing on community engagement at the provincial or the local level, building trust and capacity in science-based regulations, 
And also in all of that, differentiating Canadian agri-food products in markets both domestically and abroad. So uh, we're going to be taking that kind of message um, to government, and we are really happy that our staff have already been involved in the first virtual engagement session speaking to these points. Uh, and we really do hope to be able to inform that ministerial statement that we'll hear this September. That was Mary Robinson, president of the Canadian Federation of Agriculture. TELUS Agriculture and Olds College held a webinar yesterday focusing in on crop disease control and management. Glenda Lee Allen Vossler was registered for the event, which featured Dr. Kelly Turkington, a research scientist in plant pathology with Agriculture and Agri-Food Canada out of Lacombe. He covered a number of issues in his presentation, but today we'll focus in on the disease triangle. You need a susceptible host, you need a pathogen, a virulent pathogen in sufficient quantity, and a favorable environment for uh, disease to occur. So if we look at disease management and the disease triangle, and the management strategies that we implement, really again to, 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 to reiterate, we're really reducing risk by influencing components of the disease triangle. So the producer can look at the host and choose to grow a variety with a good resistance package to the diseases of concern. They can also look at balanced fertility. Deficiencies or excesses can increase your risk of disease. We also want to look at limiting stress with good agronomics. And a good example of this is seeding depth. If we seed too deep, let's say three to four inches, especially with smaller seeded crops, that seedling that is uh, developing from that seed will struggle to reach the soil surface. So it's under stress and it may be more prone to attack from various seed and soil borne uh, disease issues. The producer can also dar- target the pathogen directly. So they can look at crop rotation and utilizing non-host crops for a sufficient period of time to reduce risk. They can look at healthy seed to get the crop off to a good start. Here you want to look at testing the seed for germination and vigor, but especially you want to look at a fungal screen. So a disease screen of that seed to find out what's there and if it's at a level that will warrant a fungicide application in terms of the seed treatment, or perhaps in the case of extremely high levels of seed infection. We're talking 25% seed infection or higher. In that situation, you may want to look at a different seed source. Field location can be an issue for windborne disease issues, things like fusarium head blight and sclerotinia. So if you've had an issue in one field the previous summer and then you plant uh, the same crop in an adjacent field, that same crop may actually be at risk from that adjacent field. So that's something to keep in mind if you're looking at tweaking your disease management strategies. Finally, the producer can choose to use a fungicide and again, uh, as I've said, can be used as a seed treatment. But if you're looking at an in-crop fungicide application, this is where you need to look at risk assessment and the potential need for a fungicide. That was Dr. Kelly Turkington, a research scientist in plant pathology with Agriculture and Agri-Food Canada out of Lacombe. We'll hear more from his presentation in future programs. He was taking part in the TELUS Agriculture and Olds College webinar focusing in on crop disease control and management.
for Golden West. I'm Glendalee Allen Bossler. Thanks, Glendalee. That's it for the Prairie Eggwire for today. If you have any questions or opinions to share, send them to us by email to farmdesk at goldenwest.ca. On behalf of Glendalee Allen Bossler, I'm Corey Canute. Thanks for listening and have a great afternoon. The Prairie Eggwire will return tomorrow on the Golden West Farm Network.